everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today the Bonhoeffer Project is taking over another one of our podcast episodes. Cindy Perkins is going to be interviewing Denny Heiberg and Sandy Mason and talk about how we can experience genuine joy as we disciple people. This is such an excellent topic because if you've invested your time and your life into other people's lives by discipling them, then you have experienced the fulfillment in leading someone to becoming more like Jesus. And you probably have also experienced how messy life on life can really be. Discipleship is the high calling of all disciples of Jesus, but it's not always pretty. But we can experience real joy in the midst of that mess. So here we go. This is Cindy Perkins, Denny Heiberg, and Sandy Mason from the Bonhoeffer Project. Let's dive in. Well, welcome to the Discipleship.org Collective Show. My name is Cindy Perkins. I get to share as, um, to serve as the Executive Director of the Bonhoeffer Project and love what we do, love that we get to be a part of the uh, Discipleship.org Collective so you can see us there. I have with me a couple of special guests today. Uh, first, I have Denny Heiberg. He is um, serves on our national leadership team, among other things. Good friends, both these guys. And Wave, I'm Denny. Gonna let... Wave yeah. your hand, Denny. Let them touch you, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to let them tell a little bit more about themselves as we go. And also with us today, Denny, Denny hails out of Nashville, Tennessee area. Also with us today is Sandy Mason, and Sandy is also on the national leadership team for the Bonhoeffer Project and hails out of Phoenix, Arizona. I am in Tampa, Florida, so we got a pretty good triangle happening here around the around the world for that. So, um, guys, would you just share a little bit about yourself? Sandy, why don't you go first and share a little bit about yourself, tell the folks who you are and what you do and where you've been. And Yeah. Yeah, this is fun to be part of the discipleship.org movement. It's just, it's so exciting that there is a movement of Christians and pastors and churches that want to talk about disciple making. And we want to ride that wave for all it's worth. So we're delighted that people actually want to hear about this. Uh, my my heart for discipleship was, was part of how I came to faith. In fact, that's become an axiom for me is, how you come to Jesus really determines the way you will uh, live and follow him. And too many folks have a passive pray a prayer, a transactional, okay, I guess I'm in. Mine was not that at all. I was uh, on a college campus, fraternity brother led me to Christ. Two days later, took me to a campus meeting and uh, all over the wall was win, build, send. The whole thing was about you've been one to Christ so that you can be built up so we can send you out. So that's the way I got indoctrinated. That's what the Christian life was active. It was following, it was being equipped so you could equip others. So I had a, a disciple making vision and understanding. In fact, then when I went back to my local church, which I did, I went back to my pastors and said, something's happened to me. Uh, I want to give my heart to Jesus. And I thought they'd enroll me in seminary. Instead, their eyes kind of glazed over and they said, well, all I knew is uh, the local church is not where this is happening. So uh, frankly, I, I kind of set my sights on other forms of ministry than the local church, but the Lord kept pulling me back 
to that. And uh, now it's been 40 years in the local church and uh, I've made disciple making a core part of my ministry. But I will say that uh, there are centrifugal forces at work in the local church that keep pushing you away from that core, that center. I see you guys nodding your head, you know what I mean? And so it's a constant battle to get back to the heart of, are we making disciples or are we just doing services here? And uh, there were seasons when I was doing that well and seasons when I got lost uh, doing church and uh, wondering why it wasn't fun. So it was the most fun when I was uh, involved in discipling men, and that was kind of my target audience. I wanted to see men excited about following Jesus and loving each other and helping each other fight the good fight to follow Christ. And when that was happening, I was having the most fun, so. Awesome, awesome. Danny, what about you? Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I could echo a number of things that Sandy mentioned, but uh, let, me, let me begin this way. In my former life, I worked at a little roadside amusement park outside of Orlando called Walt Disney World. Uh, and you don't use the term amusement park if you know anything about Disney because it's much more than that, obviously. At that point, back in the 70s, it was the vacation capital of the world. And I had an incredible job. I was in um, the convention division of, of Walt Disney World. And back then, we were the big kid on the block. We could we could do everything that people couldn't do in other convention locations and conventions were just coming into their own. And uh, one day I was, I had uh, a dear friend of ours. In fact, he was the guy that married us. He, he and I had lunch together. And uh, as I was walking with Bruce through the Lake Buena Vista area, uh, he said, you know, Denny, I, I sense that God has given you a pastor's heart. And inside, I didn't say it out loud, but inside I thought, oh, no. Uh, Not you know, that. <laughs> I, I thought, about I love weekends too much. I don't want to work on a weekend. I mean, they only work an hour, but, but still, uh, I, it would ruin my weekend. So uh, fast forward, uh, a year later, I find myself in Bible college, and then after that, in some uh, some years of seminary and i became a pastor so for for 22 years uh cindy i was a local pastor and then uh through uh through a circum a number of circumstances i i stepped down from the local pastor and took that same role with a mission sending organization and so for the last nine years i've had the privilege of not only uh, training leaders within the Bonhoeffer Project, but also being able to travel and meet mission leaders and pastors from around the globe who, uh, who need desperately this message that we're going to talk about today and that's, that Sandy introduced us to a few moments ago. And, and my real, real joy, as he mentioned, was uh, pouring into the lives of men and seeing seeing them reproduce so we'll we'll talk more about that as we go along today but that's kind of my background i live in nashville which is the the home of discipleship.org and where the national forum will be in november yep we're going to talk a little bit more like about that as we get toward the end of our time together today because i'm really excited about what god's going to be doing there um, my story is similar but uh different um 
I was a late bloomer in that space. I didn't, I, I went to work in a church as an admin, uh, decided that I would not be called church lady because I really didn't think I was church lady. And so, uh, and I still had some fun to have, right? But God, God had a different idea. And 20 years later, um, I left my position. I, I moved from admin to director to pastor and, and served as the spiritual journey pastor leading our women uh, until just a couple of years ago when I came to work for the Bonhoeffer Project and uh, also at the same time took a job as a, a college professor at a local Christian college, which happens to be my alma mater and just for the record, Billy Graham's alma mater too. So, um, so Trinity College of Florida is a fun place. I get to disciple students there. Um, but like you guys, the similarity happens in that I find real joy, like deep-seated, abiding joy in walking a group of women through a discipleship process and seeing them become what God has created them to be. And it's just such a, it's such a delight. And I don't think people who aren't discipling really have a clue what that could be like, right? So you both have served as lead pastors. Tell me, you say that your your joy, your ultimate joy, uh, is discipling men through uh, through the process of learning to become more like Christ. But tell me some other things uh, that brought you joy in those roles. I know you've both stepped uh, sideways into roles with the Bonhoeffer Project and Danny with TMS. And um, so, tell me some of the the other joys that that you can think of that you felt while you were did, in that role. Did you just say that Denny has PMS? PMS. He can't. Now behave, Sandy. Behave. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old, Sandy. Your hearing goes, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you bring from Disney World to the ministry that was helpful? What was a value or an understanding that people that haven't worked in that corporate climate, a positive. I, mean, I know there's plenty of things that weren't always great, but what was one or two things you're like, this was a great value I learned with Disney that I brought into ministry? Well, caring for others, you know, obviously when you, when you wear one of those little name badges, people expect that you know everything that they have a question about. And if you don't have the answer, you don't point them, you, you take them as best you can to a place, but you really go out of your way to help people. And actually, Sandy, my relationship with people just were, that was an incredible uh, college, if you will, to learn uh, about people, dealing with people. Uh, you can imagine there were disgruntled guests. I mean, I, I would get memos come up, that came across my desk about people that, after they got home, they wrote back and complained that they didn't get to see Mickey once. And they spent thousands of dollars saved for years and they couldn't find Mickey in the park, you know, because it rained or something, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I know what it's like to get get complaints at Disney, but then when I got to the pastorate, I, I, uh, I did get a few complaints. But actually, in... The other side of the coin is Disney expected so much from their 
from their cast members. You're not employees, you're a cast member. And then I go to the church world where people would say, well, well, this is good enough. I'd say, excuse me? Do you not see, do you not see the rust on, on the handrail? Do you not see the weeds in the in the in the garden? Yeah. You had to be kind of a pain for a while. I'm sure you had to get yeah. well it's and, uh, and my our our staff was tired of me pointing things out to them that yeah. they didn't see. And here's yeah. the deal. Everything says something, Sandy. Everything says something. It says that you don't you don't care. You know, it's not it's not your job or whatever, and and so Disney was kind of a two-edged sword for me. But I I truly do do value the seven seven years I spent there. It it was a, it was a great training ground. Good. Thanks. I know I threw you a curve there. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so, Sandy, so what what other places? Mm -hmm. What's Cindy? What? What are some of the places that you that you experienced great joy other than discipleship in the church? What are what are things that brought you joy? Yeah, for me, I I love preaching. I still love to preach, and that can become uh, an idol. Mm -hmm. um, and Denny knows in working with other senior pastors, uh, it, it's easy to justify that I'm making disciples through the pulpit. And certainly the preaching, the messages, sermons are, are all tools in the disciple-making process. But if, if that's all you're doing to make disciples, it's, uh, you're just you're shooting you know, a scattergun and you're never pulling out the 38 to really drive the truth home. And, uh, and I found that. Boy, I love to preach. Easy to invest time in preparation. Uh, easy to make it too important, you know, with the feedback you're getting and how many people are coming. And I was susceptible to all those human uh, temptations with preaching, but I, uh, it, it, it's a wonderful privilege. And uh, if you're gifted at it, you, you get energized by it. So preaching was a joy, but I had to keep reminding myself this this isn't the end of the disciple-making process. This is the beginning of it. You are serving a larger movement. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Denny? What brought you joy in that role? Well, I would say that pastoring is probably the only occupation or role that allows another human being to be invited into a family's life in times of celebration as well as times of deep deep grief and and i think for me the number one joy in addition to you know the, the proclamation of, of the word as sandy mentioned and discipling others is to to have those deep relationships with people and for me and i think as well as for sandy because we we were able to stay within the same church for numerous years we saw children born we saw them graduate and we might have even seen them get married and to to enter into all those those great experiences as well as the the intimate and painful ones 
I, I can't think of another occupation. Doctors don't get to do this. Uh, attorneys don't get to do this. So I, I just consider, I consider it a sacred privilege to, to hold that role as a, as a pastor. And one of my greatest joys was to see the people that I had the privilege of sharing with, of pouring into, to see the lights come on, to see, to see the evidence of the, the Holy Spirit, and then to see them uh, take that and respond to what God was saying to them, and then reproduce uh, what I was doing in their life. I, I would see them uh, coming alongside others, pouring into others, and praying with others. I, uh, in our church, the, the, the last church I served, we, we had a family that had a, a cypress log business. They made us a, an altar, a portable altar that ran the entire front of the platform. And, and we designed it so that on both sides of the, the, the top of the altar were kneeling benches. And so those of us who were praying with people could go opposite them and, and just listen to them as they spoke into our ear. And we could face them and join hands and pray with them. And so to see our people, because there's only a, there were only a few of us as staff, to see people pray with other people. Uh, th that that was a great joy for me. So you multiply that in different experiences about people getting involved in ministry and all that. Uh, the joy, there are many, many areas, uh, Cindy, uh, that, that I consider joy, joyful having people in our home, uh, seeing college kids come over for a home-cooked meal once a week. Sa Sandy, you would have loved being there. You would have you have had a ball, just rubbing shoulders with those college kids, and uh, just building bridges in their lives. It's fun. Yeah, a lot. And of you know those college kids in Florida, you know they're a little slower, and so they don't have the opportunities that other college kids have. So you know, not in Gainesville, in Tallahassee, yes, but not in Gainesville. <laughs> you guys are so bad. All you right, know, I had a, just Denny, that's such so true what you said. I was thinking. At our church, we did uh, parent-child dedication, right? So you'd bring your little baby up. So we've just started the church. I don't know, we're six months old, meeting in a school. And Ryan and uh, Jennifer bring their little baby girl, Elise. So I dedicate Elise. Elise grows up in the church youth group. She's ready to get baptized. I get to baptize her. Now Elise is a college kid. She's up at a national park with some Christian ministry that gives tours at the park and then witnesses to Jesus as they have opportunity. But it, that's just one of those stories that it was so sweet to know this as a little baby in our baby church. And now she's off following Jesus. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a special privilege we have. That is pretty cool. So, so every time that you have a good space and good um, joy, uh, joyful experiences. There's also struggles. What were some of your major struggles uh, in in your role as senior pastor, and specifically where discipleship is concerned? Well, Cindy, in my in my tribe, we are we are sent in the United Methodist Church as it stands now. Uh, we are sent to churches, and so I arrived on a Wednesday, literally on a Wednesday, with a U-Haul. And uh, 
one of the guys was there to help me unpack. And that evening I walked into the back of the church to watch, to watch choir practice. And uh, I, I was incognito. Nobody knew who I was. And, but I was their pastor. And so I came there to, to learn the culture. You, you both know that every church has a culture, a history, a personality, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps some traditions. And, and we as pastors have to, have to learn the, those areas. We have to listen. We have to be observant and, and really go to school on who are these people that now I have the privilege of, of serving. And so one of the, one of the biggest struggles that, that was, uh, it was, it was pretty dominant for me. Let me just put it that way was the reality that the church I inherited was a, a typical, comfortable, cultural church from probably about 1950 or 60, and it was 1994. Huh. And uh, there were a core group of people that are still dear, dear friends of ours, those who are still with us, uh, that are that are dear to us now and we, we stay in touch but there were many people who were just uh they were going through the motions and i was i was blown away by the what i would call the spiritual and emotional immaturity of folks and it, and it as a pastor it just struck me uh that not only their 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 biblical uh illiteracy where i i would find I would find Sunday school classes that were basically just, you know, coffee and donuts mm -hmm. and, and just, and just some talk. But I, I, and the, many of these people were leaders. And so I inherited a group of people who I came to find out after a while that they really didn't know Jesus, but they had all these positions in a church because the Methodist church has all kinds of committees and positions. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a, a, a rude awakening, you might say. Uh, so that was that was a real struggle for me. I had to I had to learn uh, slowly who who really did have a story and a, with Jesus and who didn't. And I think one of the realities, the wake up calls for me was on a Monday after my third Sunday, uh, a woman that was in a prominent position in our church uh, came to me and she said, "Denny, I've heard you for three weeks now." And I know you believe what you preach, but what is this Jesus as Lord business? And I tried not to drop my jaw and, and I prayed a very quick prayer, help Lord, help me. And the reality is that I realized that the Holy Spirit was moving, right? Uh, because there were consequences with the message and, and she was listening intently. And so, uh, I would have to say that uh, it was it was somewhat of a shock. I wasn't quite prepared for people that have been in church for years and years and years to not be aware of what I took for granted. And and let's say and I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I I when I came to Christ, I thought that this was just the way it was that you were supposed to really believe the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. Imagine that. Sandy, what about you? What were 
some yeah, of the I, struggles that you had. Uh, Denny's so right, you know, culture, history. So I planted a church. I thought I've my other two senior pastor posts, I followed the founder and I decided I'm going to create my own dysfunction rather than try to fix somebody <laughs> else's. I'm just going to create my own. At least I'll know what it is. Yeah. But, but we're kind of on the other end of that spectrum that he's talking about. So he's in a, a denomination with a long history of, you know, ceremony and liturgy and committees and had, and not, I'm at the other end. I've been this independent Bible church. So the strength of that is, man, we, we believe the Bible. We fought for its truth and inerrancy. That was in our doctrinal statement. So we were Bible people. We were called a Bible church. But uh, the downside of that is that it, it bred uh, arrogance. Uh, it, 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 people put their hope in information rather than transformation. So, you know, if, if you, uh, there was kind of a pecking order of where, who uh who you listen to kind of study bible you had uh hey have you started it audit a seminary class boy that really moved you up the ladder if you so it was all about bible information all the home groups were bible studies but uh when i tried to move them to to begin to say let's not have just one person talking to you the whole time in your home why don't you share your life and talk about people that you're doing ministry with, and I got a lot of pushback on that. No, we, that's not what we want. We, we want a Bible teacher and a great Bible teacher to teach for us. And uh, the idea of opening up their life to one another wasn't in the culture. So that was, that was the challenge. And then with, you know, what we've understood in the Bonhoeffer Project that continues to be a concern is, if I get enough information, I'll become like Christ. And uh, that's not what changes me. Yeah. And, and both of you talk about the time necessary for transformation and the, and the, the effort, right? The, the energy required to walk people to that place where they can hear the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a really important part of what we look at. Jenny, recently you wrote a column for us called A Dancing Heart. Um, and you talked about joy, and I want us to land a little bit um, talking about joy, because I think uh, when I look around, uh, Christians, we, we don't always know how to have fun. I know that is a shock and a surprise to everybody who's listening yeah, and to right. you guys here, right? Um, but we don't know how to have fun, and, and we don't know where that joy comes from. So I want us to land there. But Denny, first... Give us a little understanding of why you actually wrote that column. Well, I was uh, in my, probably my, I stayed at the, the, the last church I served, Cindy, I was at for 18 years. And around year 10, 11, 12, uh, I, I kind of was working through what I called a, the four the four d's of uh, discontentment uh, dissatisfaction uh, discouragement and then finally desperation and so i finally hit the desperation point and i was i was i came to realize that i didn't sign up for what i was doing i mean i i i, I became a pastor i, I 
I followed the calling. I didn't know what it was then, but I would refer to it now as a calling. Uh, the calling to ministry and the calling to, to be a pastor so that I could help people develop in their, their journey with Jesus, their intimacy with Christ, and that they would indeed live out God's mission for them. Their, not only their common mission of, of being a disciple and making disciples, but their unique vision and wherever that is in the kingdom. And so uh, I realized after a while that I was simply a CEO to uh, a religious group of people precious people whom I love dearly. And, and one time I, 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 I thought, you know, we're really engaged in the community. And so uh, I, had, I had our secretary uh, count out the various ministries that were in, we were engaged in, and there were 42 different ministries. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And then all of a, all of a sudden it hit me. Not one of those was intentionally making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So uh, one afternoon, I'm in traffic as much as, you know, I can't call it traffic now that I live in Nashville, but uh, <laughs> uh, in Gainesville, I was in, in traffic at a, at a traffic light, and the thought came to me as I was thinking through a course that I was going to teach once again. I did it every so often. It was just how to study the Bible. And I love getting people in a, in a room and, and engaging with them, helping them to understand how to use the Bible, how to study it. And this thought came to me, men only. And so uh, I knew it didn't come from me, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but the impression was so clear. And so... I began to think about offering this course only for men. I wasn't sure why, but uh, I did. Now, right before this course takes place, my wife and other people within the church that I wasn't aware of noticed that the joy in, in my pastoring, uh, there was a leak in the reservoir. And so one night, as I put in the article, right before I... I uh, jumped into bed and was about to turn off the light. She just turns her head to me and says, does anything bring you joy anymore? And I didn't even answer her. I turned off the light and turned my back to her and went to sleep. But I was, I'd had it. And I, I did not, even though all the boxes were checked for the scorecard of a successful church, that Sandy and I are measured on, attendance, buildings, cash, or however you want to say it. And all those things were progressing, and I was getting the pat on the back by my superiors. And uh, one of the struggles was that then there were other people uh, that were jealous in, in terms of the community, especially in my tribe. Not, not necessarily other churches outside of my tribe, but in my tribe. In fact, I even got called into the 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 district superintendent's office one time because they thought we were competing with the college ministry that was supposedly on campus. And, and I thought, am I on candid camera or something? Did you really just say that we're in competition? I, I mean, I was so fed up with, with the, the, the system. Okay. So, uh, I, 
I began this class with a group of men called how to how to basically how to study the Bible. And the very first meeting, the kingdom came into that room. We had about four other classes going on at the same time, and all these about 18, 19 men came into the room. And I went over and closed the door. I, I stood at the head of the room. There was an open square, and uh, these guys were around the tables and brought their Bibles. And I said, guys, I'm honored you're here. I'm thrilled that you want to spend this time together with me for these weeks. Why did you come tonight? And the very first man to speak Bible that was about uh, this this thick, all right? And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll reenact for you. He says, I've been told that I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader in my family. And I feel like my wife is so far out ahead of me and I'm holding her back. And I knew that everybody didn't know everybody because we had multiple services. So some of these guys were strangers to one another. And I thought, wow, I would never hear that on a Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then a, another young man, as soon as he finished, another young man across the room said, I'm right there with you, brother. And then it was like popcorn. These guys would say, I've got a 12-year-old, and I, how do I take the Bible and make it applicable to her life and help her to understand these, these, these stories? Another guy said, I think my employer is asking me to be unethical. So how do I, how do I uh, balance that with my uh, responsibility to him as a boss and to what scripture says? And for about 15 minutes, we were, I was just fielding questions. And I said, guys, I am thrilled that you're here. And my, my goal is that we're going to get to all these. So I took them from square one in terms of how to use the scriptures. And by the end of our time together, we were doing lesson plans for Bible studies and men's studies and uh, home, home groups and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't want to stop. But I said, you know, we, you're, you've already arrived, arrived to where we wanted to go. I think here's what we need to do. And so what happened, Cindy, was I began a, a discipling relationship with about, well, I, I just invited them to join me. I figured I'd get five or six. The, the, the ridiculous thing is there were 20 that wanted to, 21 that wanted to do it. So I gave some other responsibilities to my associate pastor, and I had 12 to 15 appointments a week for two and a half years discipling these these men and it all of a sudden the joy came back into my life was i tired yes but it was a different kind of tired uh in fact i remember walking into coming back into the house one day and you guys even though you've known me a number of years i don't think you've ever heard me say anything like this it's, it's the first time i remember saying it to cindy i walked back into the house after meeting with a local a prominent person in the community who I challenged to, for him to get serious about following Jesus. I walked in the front door. She said to me, how'd it go? And I said, I think I was made for this. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. 
It's our Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple-making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple-makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. That's important to, to know that our discipleship goes on, right? It doesn't stop after one year of Bible study. Um, it, it goes on. It's a lifelong relationship when we disciple others. And I think that's, for me, that's part of the joy right, is, is knowing that those are lifelong relationships. Sandy, what about you in that space? You've written quite a bit, and uh, you did write a book called Smarter Than Jesus, um, which I have read, and it's really... It's a lot better than you think, you know. I, I think Amazon has one left, too, that my well, mom did It's a publish on demand is what they do. There you go. That's That's what they do. They publish when you order. That's how you get it. Actually, the publisher turned out to be a crazy person, and I don't even know if I can get the original stuff from him. Yeah, (laughs) funny story. No, the the whole thing of smarter than Jesus, uh, it's like what we're doing church, and we've made it into programs and services, and we figure out how can we draw crowds and what's the music and what's the coffee and what's the speaker. And uh, Jesus didn't seem interested in any of that stuff. In fact, you go back and read the gospels and he's, he's inviting people not to follow him. You want to follow me? Let me give you some reasons why you shouldn't. I don't really have a home and uh, it's kind of lean going and I don't think you really want me. And uh, so I just, began to think again about what are we doing in the church? Are we doing the things that Jesus wanted to do? Or are we just following the latest trends of how to gather a crowd? And in America, what's Bill call it? The gospel Americana. We can gather a crowd, but it doesn't necessarily produce disciples. So that's what I try to do in that. It was just really, it was just a personal exercise to articulate. Uh, what did I see Jesus doing? What were his priorities? And put it on print for my own sake. so so in that god took you through a process right and so in that process where did you find the joy that jesus talks about that we are to have like when i think about joy i think about uh joy unspeakable and full of glory a song we used to sing years ago or i think about the fruit of the spirit right love joy peace patience where when, when people look around, because like if you listen to the news, guys, there is not much joy to be had in that space, right? I, I mean, right now, it's a really difficult place for folks to find joy. And I feel like it happens best in discipleship, but sometimes we have to help people. We have to spur them along to be able to even recognize what joy looks like. Help us, help us with that a little bit. Denny, in your 
in your article, you talked about the definition of the word charis. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, about what that Greek means, right? Well, uh, you reminded me of something, and, and, and I think that Sandy can identify with this. Sandy, there are certain people as that are in your congregation, and, you know, they usually sit the basic same place from week to week, and they, they're they smiling and shaking their head and with you, and you know they're, they're, they're not, you know, they haven't switched channels on the remote. Uh, they're, they're really with you, right? And there are other people, and I didn't find many of these at all, but there would be a few through the years that, as one, one man said, they were baptized in pickle juice. Okay? That, you know, and you don't look at those. You, you see them once, and that's enough because they drain you when you're speaking. Yeah. But, but the, the, the Greek word charis that we translate as joy, as I was doing some investigation in that word, uh, especially as it comes out of John 15, uh, after he talks about the vine, while he's talking about the vine and the branches, and he says, you know, finally, these things I've spoken to you that you may have my joy. And by the way, that's present tense. So we can have it now and it's ongoing, right? Uh, in you and then your joy, so that your joy may be full. And one of the, one of the, uh, the linguists that, that was trying to translate this word in other languages, uh, put it this way. He says, you know, my, my heart is dancing or my, my heart shouts because uh, I, am, I am so happy. Uh, and it reminded me, as I shared with you guys before we came on the show here, that uh, these two athletes, one from Italy and one from Qatar, they, they both they, they came in at the same level of the high jump. I think it was nine, seven and a quarter inches, nine feet, seven inches, seven and a quarter inches. And so they were going to offer them a jump off, you know, and to see who would get the gold and the silver. And then the guy from Guitar just said, can we have, can we each have a gold? And they could. And, and I, it was one of the most beautiful expressions of joy uh, expressed physically that I'd seen in the Olympics, other than some of these swimmers whose jaw just dropped when they looked back at the clock and saw that they won a world record and they couldn't believe it. Uh, I just don't think we have enough of that. Uh, so much, I think religion uh, is, is, can be oppressive to people. And, you know, when people ask me that don't know me, are you religious? I say, well, I don't think so. Uh, but tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and then I, then I go on to explain that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to follow Jesus. And I, I believe that he is indeed the, the, the creator, the living God, the very visible image of the invisible God, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we just need more joy. And quite frankly, uh, the reason, one of the reasons that uh, my wife named uh, as well, uh, her name is Cindy, uh, she has brought uh, so much joy in my life because in my childhood, uh, I had to if I could say it this way, I had to work at having fun. Other than playing baseball, I had to work at having fun because I did not have that kind of a childhood. And, and there are many people like that. 
there's many people like that. So uh, we need to, if anybody should be joyful and, and, and rejoice with others, it's, it's those of us who say that we follow Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, the, the fuel of joy is gratitude for me. Mm. You did our men's retreat. Remember the guys from, they've just been out of prison yep. and they sat in the front row. Their hands are in the air and they're crying during the worship. And when you were preaching, you know, even with your skills, they were saying amen and thrilled. It's a miracle, and, it's a miracle you know, Sandy. It was a miracle. Uh, no, you, Denny's an excellent men's retreat speaker, if anyone's looking for somebody. But, but they were full of joy because they were full of gratitude. And I think that's what we've got to help people go back and see. Do you really understand from what you've been saved and where you're going and who has you, whose you are? And, and I, I'm with you guys. This has got to be a lot more fun because uh, a smile is a lot more contagious than people that think if I just gave them the right answer, then they'll come to Christ. I think a smiling heart, a dancing heart is winsome. And uh, it's a heart full of gratitude. And gratitude fuels that joy. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good word, Sandy. We, um, I, I think way too often, in our ministry spaces, we think it's all about us and what we can do and what we can accomplish. And so I think we need to stop taking ourselves quite so seriously, right? We take ourselves too seriously. Yes. Well, what will so-and-so think, right? And, and we've got to reach a point where we don't necessarily care what so-and-so is going to think, right? Sister Bertha, she, she might not like me. But it'd be all right because Jesus does, right? And so we just have to keep moving forward in that freedom. For me, it's yes, gratitude and freedom, understanding that Christ came to set us free, and that makes us free indeed in that place, right? And if I if I'm free, like I think about David, and um, and how he danced before the Lord and and just unabandoned, right? Totally, totally out of his mind. If, if the world were to look at him, they'd say he has lost his ever-loving mind and gone crazy. And I come from a tribe where most everybody worships with their hands closed in front of them, right? And so, so just feeling that freedom because it's in that freedom that joy bubbles up and out. And, and I'm reminded in Luke that Scripture tells us that out of our heart come the words of our mouth. Our mouth speaks out of the overflow of our heart. And so if my heart is not filled with joy, then my mouth is not going to speak joyful things to the people around me. And why on earth would anybody want to come and serve a Savior who's going to make such negative impact on the world around them, right? I mean, that's just where, that's where my thought goes with that, with gratitude and freedom and and release to release what we who we are back to god right right he he's created us to be fearfully and wonderfully made right he created us for a purpose he promises us that he's not going to leave us or forsake us all those are reasons for us to be filled with joy even when we look around at a world in in turmoil because of a pandemic and in turmoil because of political upheaval across the world and in, in turmoil because of, right? You just can say because of, but people for 
all of eternity have been in the midst of turmoil. And yet some have managed to find joy. And I really fear that it stops down our effectiveness as disciples if we can't experience joy in our own lives. Right? So, so what brings you great joy besides discipleship? Let's pull back the veil a minute and see just inside the person of Denny and the person of Sandy. What brings you guys joy? Well, I, I would say, because it's, it's kind of on the front burner right now, but it's, it's being able to experience life with our grandchildren and our, and our children. And there's, you know, you know when, there's, when there's strife or struggle between, between children, uh, you know, it, it breaks our hearts. So these, these times when, when we're all celebrating uh, a new life, we just had a, a granddaughter uh, two weeks ago, come into our lives and and uh we've we spent many in fact uh you know my wife cindy has has been over to the house and and been with with our daughter to help her in these in these early days and uh, we we just love having the kids here and it it takes energy obviously but i just can't think of a greater joy than all of us just experiencing our love for one another and celebrating together uh, that's that's what brings me you know much more joy i would i would tell cindy and the girls we have three adult daughters now but as the girls were growing up you know it can be great we can have the greatest experience across the street which we live basically just down the street from the church but i said none of that compares to right here at home. This is where it has to happen right here. So I, uh, I, would, I would say that, Cindy, right now, that my kids and my grandkids, yeah, they bring me joy. How about you, Sandy? What brings you deep joy? Uh, Dennis nailed the, yeah, a big one. Mm -hmm. When Margie and I are on a walk, and we recognize with gratitude that Jesus saved us together off that college campus and gave us a call and how we walked through all the years of, of pain and hardship and joy. Uh, that's, that's a sweet thing. Uh, just a long-term life partner that you can share life with and reflect. That's been in, then uh, right now outside my door is a little two-year-old granddaughter, Heidi, that, loves papa and uh when she runs up and puts her arms around you something inside me just turns to butter you know yeah the other thing that brings me joy is reading uh great books of the saints that uh just make jesus big and beautiful uh that's where i love dallas willard is such a wonderful love for christ and an expectation that who christ is and will be for us uh i'm reading the old puritan john owen right now mm -hmm. he's all about wanting to 
to clarify the, the ministry and office and person of Christ and just this rich stuff that I, I just, uh, that just gives me joy in thinking about God and Christ and the work of uh, the Spirit. So that's another source of joy for me. I um, I agree with you guys. Family is uh, my ultimate joy. When they say, what do you want for your birthday, Mom? I'm like, you guys for dinner. That's all. Yeah. I just want yeah. you guys for dinner. Right. And I have a husband who has a wicked sense of humor. Uh, wicked as in crazy good, not wicked as in evil. But <laughs> he just makes me laugh all the time. And so... And he'll say everything with a straight face. And so sometimes I'm like, are, are you kidding or being serious? And he's kidding. And so just laughing and being together. We've been married 46 years. And so um, just just exciting. And that brings me joy to know that, hey, we've, we've been through it. We have been through it. And, and uh, by God's grace came out on the other side. But the other part that brings me joy, we've got some really good friends that I love spending time with. I get joy when uh, all of us come together as the Bonhoeffer Project, right? Yeah. I get joy being in the space with you guys. Like Zoom's good, yeah. that's, Zoom's that's good, good. Yes. but yeah. nothing, nothing like when we get to sit together. And so yeah. that's, uh, that, that's a segue that takes us into talking a little bit about what's happening in November. Uh, discipleship.org has a disciple-making forum um, the first week, the first Thursday and Friday in November. And on Wednesday, before that, the Bonhoeffer Project is going to get together as, as a tribe uh, where we're all going to come together on that day. We've got lots of fun things planned. And so um, that would be the third, fourth, and fifth. And so you can register for the Bonhoeffer portion if you're interested in joining us at uh, thebonhoefferproject.com pops up on the front page. So you'll be able to do that. And then uh, it's a separate registration for the Disciple Making Forum. But we encourage you, if you're watching this, come join us because we're going to have fun. We're going to yeah. put the joy back in ministry on Wednesday, November the 3rd. Um, and, and we've got some special rates for hotel and, and all those kind of things. And we'll actually be in Franklin, Tennessee for that piece and in Brentwood, Tennessee for the forum. So we'd love to have you join us. Um, we also want to make sure that you know that we, um, we run cohorts that happen throughout the year. Um, Sandy, tell us a little bit about what a cohort looks like. Just give our folks just a, a one minute blurb about what a cohort is yeah it's a commitment to a, a group of folks that meet once a month for probably nine months uh we the reading is not burdensome but rich we ask lots of questions we don't give you a notebook and a program we invite you to really wrestle with what is the gospel and are you making disciples and what's your plan but it's all about your work your ministry whether you're a Christian lay leader or a pastor like Denny and me and Cindy, uh, you will benefit from this. Uh, and it will challenge your categories and open your thinking and make you a more fruitful minister of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Denny, why should people come? Why to Nashville? People, yeah. Why should people join us in Nashville? Well, 
it's it's like when you come back from a great vacation and you try to communicate to somebody what you what you saw what you smelled what you tasted and you just you know they're not they're not listening <laughs> you you have to come and see and come and and, and taste and see that that this discipleship is is a reality and there, the, to be in the same space with you know hundreds of people that have the same heart that you do i don't know about sandy but i thought i was crazy until i started reading some of these books by by bill hull and others who, who said this is what we really should be doing uh, and so if you come here you'll experience you'll meet new brothers and sisters that have a discipleship heart that they realize that jesus's final command should be our first priority and uh, you'll come away with some some great inspiration but also some tools uh, for the journey ahead and so i would you know i would encourage you to come because the way things are going in the world we don't know how many how many of these we can have you know so uh, this one's on so far so we would love to see you and, and meet you in person for sure all right if you have any questions you can reach us at info at the denny sandy thank you so much for joining us today so good to see you via zoom yeah we're going to be filled with joy this week and um thank you guys for joining us and and watching today and uh, if you have any questions feel free to reach out and let us know it's our joy to share our lives with you have a great week Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. And I want to invite you back to turn around and click the next episode. And while you're at it, if you haven't already, I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date and use this as a resource in your own life as you become a better disciple maker. All right, y'all have a great day.